Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to everyone watching online and on Spectrum Cable. We're certainly glad to have you with us today. If you want to take out your Bibles and turn over to Matthew 28, Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18, we've been talking about a Christian is, and we've said a Christian is uh, someone that has been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. A Christian is a part of the family of God. A Christian is a missionary. And last week we talked about a fact that the Christian was an ambassador. And so we're going to continue on today and talk about the fact that a Christian is a disciple. A Christian is a disciple. Now, uh, you probably have seen some of these graduation ceremonies where uh, they have these famous celebrity speakers come in, and at the end of it, they give them an honorary degree, and they get an honorary degree from Stanford and Harvard and Yale. And I just wanted you all to know, I'm one of those people that have gotten an honorary degree. Seriously. My honorary degree is from Mill High School. And uh, no, no, really, really it is. I'm an honorary graduate of Mill High School. Uh, several years ago, I spoke at their backyard, and uh, Ted Beam, who was their principal, a member of that church, made me an honorary graduate of Mill High School and gave me a male sweatshirt while I was there. So my dad wasn't happy because he's a manual grad, uh, but I am now both a graduate of the esteemed Odom County High School and Mill High School because of my great academic wisdom uh, that has taken place. Well, the person in the world with the most degrees is a guy by the name of Vian Parthaban uh, in India. Here's a picture of him before a lecture. That's all of his degrees uh, that he has there. Uh, but like me, all of those degrees aren't real. A lot of them are honorary degrees. Some are degrees where he just took a test, but those are all of his degrees. But the person, he's got over 140 of them, by the way. But the person with the most academic degrees that he actually went to the classes, took the courses, and passed the tests is a guy from Michigan by the name of Michael W. Nicholson. There's Michael Nicholson right there. He has, at this point, over 40 earned degrees. He is called a perpetual student. He has never done anything his entire life except go to school. He has never held a job. Uh, he's never done anything else. He's just taken one class after another, earning 40 degrees. The most honored person in all of academia right now, Michael W. Nicholson, a perpetual student. I tell you that because we're going to be talking about the fact today that a Christian is a disciple. And what does the word disciple mean? The disciple means a learner or a student. And so basically, as Christians, we are called to be lifelong learners, students, followers of Jesus Christ. Now, in Jesus' day, what you had was this rabbinical system where you had a rabbi who would teach, and he would gather some students around him, had a small group of students. They were called his disciples, his learners, his students that were there. Jesus did that. How many disciples did Jesus have? Wasn't a trick question. 
12, thank you. See, you all knew that. It's like it was, he had 12 disciples. You were, well, there was Judas, and then he left. There's another, maybe there's 13. No, or maybe it was 11. No, it was 12. All right, he had 12 disciples. So he had 12 people that followed him around for three years, learning, training, uh, doing everything they could to serve him. So what a disciple did was you learned from the rabbi, you worked with the rabbi, you served the rabbi, and then when the rabbi was gone, you carried on that rabbi's teachings. And that was the whole purpose of being a disciple, to learn, to train, and to carry on the teachings of the rabbi. So we're going to look over into Matthew 28 today, a passage of Scripture that is often called uh, the Great Commission, and we're going to look uh, at what Jesus has to say about discipleship. We don't often think of this as a discipleship passage, but I think it definitely is. Look at Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's look into Matthew 28 and see what it has to say about making disciples. And the first thing we see is this. Jesus has all authority and sends us out in his name and power. So Jesus has all authority, he sends us out in his name and in his power. Look at verse 18 in the beginning of verse 19. It says, Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. So in our scripture passage, Jesus is in Galilee. It's shortly after his resurrection. He's told his disciples to meet him there. And while he's there, he gives them their job. He gives them what they were supposed to be doing from that time on. He gives them the Great Commission. Now, it's interesting. Barna did a survey recently, and what he found out was that 71% of Christians had never heard of anything called the Great Commission, and only 17% could quote what it said. Now, the only thing disturbing about that is that if this is our marching orders, if this is what we're supposed to be doing as the followers of Jesus, and 71% have no idea what it says, then we're probably not fulfilling it very well. So let's look at what it says. Jesus tells them, he says, I have all authority. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He's gone to heaven. He's proven that he's divine. He tells them now, I have all authority both in heaven and in earth. So Jesus is in charge of everything. He's in charge of everything in heaven. He's in charge of everything in earth. Everything is now revolving around him. He has all authority and all power. He is in charge. Now, that is why the next thing he says is, therefore, go. You can't lose. I am with you. I have all authority in heaven, all authority on earth. All power resides in me. I am on your side. Therefore, go. You cannot be defeated if I'm with you. Have you ever looked at something before and said, well, that's just not fair? You know, you look at it and say, you know, it's lopsided. There's no way they can lose. The other group is just completely outclassed in every way. You know, I don't know, kind of like Wake Forest playing Louisville yesterday. You know, just, just kind of, you know, completely outclassed when they, when they got in there. But I won't even mention the other game about being outclassed because I want to keep my job. Okay, so we'll, we'll just go on go on from there. But you look at things and you say, hey, that's just not fair. Anybody see the Capital One commercial with Charles Barkley playing ball on the playground? Got, got a picture of it right here. So Charles Barkley's playing with kids that are like in the third and fourth grade or something like that. And they're choosing teams. 
And so you have these kids that are third, fourth grade. Uh, you know, they're, they're four foot tall. And then you have uh, six, seven, 300 pound Barkley there. And they choose Barkley and look at the next picture. He's all excited and everything. Uh, he's been chosen first. The other team is not happy at all. It's not going to be fair that they have Charles Barkley playing against third graders. Well, Jesus says, I have all authority. I have all power. Therefore, go. You cannot be defeated. And just in case we don't understand, at the very end, in verse 20, he says, Surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. I'm going to be with you. Therefore, go. I have all authority. I have all power. Okay, so whatever this commission is, we're called to do. We know that we're going to succeed at it because we go in the power and the authority of Jesus who is with us always, even to the very end of the age. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. So then what is that commission that we're supposed to be about? Our commission is to make disciples of all nations. Look again, verse 19. Therefore go, because I have all authority, therefore go and make disciples. Now, what's interesting here is what it doesn't say, because what it doesn't say is what we generally take it to mean, but we're wrong. And what, what we think it means is, therefore, go out and convert people. Therefore, go out and save people. And because that's what's in our mind, we miss what's being said here. It doesn't say, go make a convert. It doesn't go, go save somebody somewhere. It says, go make someone who is going to be a lifelong follower of me, my disciple. That's entirely different. So a problem that we have today uh, in, our, in, uh, in, in, in Christianity is that we believe all this says is go convert somebody. And we think that's the end of the matter. Go out. You, I, I believe in Jesus. I prayed a prayer. Now I'm saved. It's all over. This isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning of something. So the disciple coming to Jesus, what we call their conversion, is the beginning of something. It's the end of nothing. But we think of it as the end of, well, I went out, uh, somebody accepted Jesus, therefore the process is over. Did you know over the last 20 years, the Southern Baptist Convention has baptized over 7 million people? Over 7 million people in the last 20 years. And in the last 20 years, the average attendance in Southern Baptist churches have gone down, not up. How can we baptize 7 million people and attendance go down? That makes absolutely no sense. But the reason it happens is simple. We're not making disciples, lifelong learners, students, and followers of Jesus. We're making converts who thought their job was over the day they accepted Jesus. I've got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Everything's fine now. I don't need to do anything else. Woo, I'm off the hook. And we totally misunderstand what we were supposed to be doing. We are to make disciples, lifelong learners, followers, students, of Jesus Christ. And where are we to make those disciples? We are to go make disciples of all nations. Every person upon this planet is, is created in God's image, created by God, loved by him. Jesus died for them. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care your skin color. I don't care your gender. I don't care any of that stuff. God created you. Jesus died for you. And we are to go make disciples of all nations. And so again, we lose track when what we think we're doing is just making somebody make a one-time decision for Jesus instead of instead what we're doing is making people disciples for a lifetime. 
And I think that's why churches after COVID, uh, post-COVID churches, the average church is running anywhere between 25 to 30% less attendance than they were uh, before, before COVID. And the simple fact of the matter is we were making converts. We were not making disciples. So if that's true, what's it mean to make a disciple? And I think Matthew 28 tells us. I think it tells us three things are involved in what makes a disciple. So let's briefly look at those three things now. What's it mean to make disciples? The first is this, bringing people into a relationship with God and a part of God's family. That's the first thing it means in making a disciple. Now, we think that's the end of the matter, okay? I accepted Jesus got my fire insurance, it's over. We think that's the end of the matter. That's not the end of the matter, that's the beginning. I have now become a part of the family of God. So look at what it says. It says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism doesn't save you. Baptism says that you have been saved. It's you letting other people know that you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is what saves you. Your baptism is letting people know that. But baptism is important because baptism is the symbol of you coming into this new relationship with God. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, you're being brought into God's family. So the first thing that happens is when someone accepts Christ, they need to know you are now a part of God's family, you are now a part of God's church, and that gives you a family, it gives you people that love you, it gives you a a, a place to call home, to learn, to, to be a part of, to share life with. You are now a part of the family of God. Basically, you are taking God's name as your name. Uh, when, when Dawn and I got married, uh, Dawn went from being Dawn Anderson Kastner to Dawn uh, Pendleton. She changed her name to Pendleton. She took my name as her name. This is saying you're taking God's name now as your name. You're being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're becoming a part of God's family. You are God's treasured possession. So when we accept Christ, it's the beginning of the matter, and we have become a part of God's family. We are a part of his treasured possession. What's a treasured possession look like? Recently in Eureka, Illinois, uh, there was uh, an owl that was spotted flying around town. Here's a picture of that owl right here. And it was carrying a stick horse. Somewhere in Eureka, there's a poor kid without a stick horse. But for the last couple of weeks, anytime this owl is seen, he has that stick horse with him. He takes it in the trees. He takes it on barns. He flies around with it. Nobody knows what the owl and the stick horse are doing with each other, but they believe one of two things. Either the owl somehow thinks this stick horse is a part of his family, or he considers it a prized possession. But either way, he's not going to let go of it. He'll leave it in a tree for a second and immediately fly back and get it. This has been going on for a couple of weeks now. Well, guess what? When you accept Jesus, you become his stick horse. He's never going to leave you alone. He's going to stay with you. You're his prized possession. He's going to be with you every single step of the way. So that's the beginning part of discipleship. You've become a part of God's family. The second thing is this. It says, teaching them God's ways teaching them God's ways, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
So the second part of discipleship is doing exactly what the word disciple means. You become a student. You become a learner, a lifelong follower and servant of Jesus. So it means that now you are beginning to learn and grow and get closer to God. Studying your Bible, being in prayer and Bible studies, getting closer to God through prayer. You become a lifelong learner, student, and follower of Jesus. The simple fact of the matter is this. The longer you are a Christian the closer you should be to God and the more mature disciple you should be. And the reason is simple. That's what it means to be a disciple. I'm, I'm spending more time with Jesus. I'm learning more about him. I'm getting closer to him. It doesn't mean you don't have ups and downs. Of course you do. But it means the longer that you're doing something, the better you should be at it, the more you should know about it. The problem with us today is, again, we think of salvation as a one-time event, something that, that I did that's now over instead of becoming a disciple so if that's your view of salvation then you're not going to really care much about reading your bible or coming to church or studying or growing or serving god out in the community because well you know what i did it i'm going to heaven my job is done and so then you fall into that category that george barna has my favorite stat of all time i've given it to you many times uh seven percent of christians uh when asked on, on questionnaires believe that joan of arc was noah's wife Now, that's a failing both biblically and historically, okay, uh, as you get into it. And for those of you curious right now, Joan of Arc is not Noah's wife, okay? Uh, just so you know, you can look up who she was a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, get ready to bring out the tissues. You might cry and everything. Uh, but, uh, you know, still, she is not Noah's wife. But that comes from the fact we don't think it's important. I've got my life insurance. Everything I need to do is over. But a disciple is one who's become a part of God's family and is learning and growing and serving Jesus. That play takes place their whole life. And then there's one final thing we're told about a disciple. And that is a disciple is one that lives out what they've been taught. A disciple lives out what they've been taught. And so it says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's not teaching them to have knowledge and learn everything about me. And again, that's what a lot of Christians default to. Man, I know everything there is to know about God. Well, great. Guess who knows more about God than you do? Satan. He's not saved. You know, I, I don't think. You can know a lot about God. That doesn't mean anything. Are you obeying what God said? Are you loving and forgiving and helpful and caring and reaching out to people? You know, that's what it means. Are you obeying or are you just learning? A disciple was one that took the teachings of the rabbi and applied those teachings to, to their own life. But then a disciple did, did a third thing. A disciple would pass on those teachings to others. They would get their own disciples and pass on those teachings. The discipleship process is never over until you disciple another person it is not enough for you to be discipled the process is disciples who make disciples who make disciples and that's how what we call evangelism is supposed to take place when you in your life share what you know and share your life and share your beliefs with others they begin believe it they pass it on to someone else it's a disciple who makes disciples who make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So I guess 
as we think about the big picture of what we're talking about, we need to ask ourselves, where am I in any of these categories? Has there come a point in your life where you said, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow him. I want to do more than be saved. I want to become a disciple of Jesus. And you followed him and you were baptized. Is that, have you done that? Because that's the first step. Do I believe and I'm going to commit myself to following him and have I been baptized? If you've done that, you're beginning the point of discipleship. If you haven't done it, that's something you need to be doing. You, won't, you, can't, you can't begin the process of discipleship, which is what salvation is. You can't begin that process until you make that commitment, you're baptized, and you follow him. Have you done that? If you've done that, then ask yourself the next question. Am I growing and learning and, and serving God today? What are you doing in your life today? Do you think it's over with? Well, I, I got baptized. I believed in Jesus. It's all over with. You say, no, I, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to Bible studies. I'm attending worship. I'm getting closer to God. I'm serving God out there in my life. I'm doing everything I can to be a good person and live the way that I should. Are you doing those things in your life right now? Now, we don't all do them perfect, and we're never going to do them perfect, but are you trying to grow and mature in your faith? That's the second step of discipleship. And so ask yourself if I'm doing that, and if not, that's where you need to be right now. And then finally, ask yourself, am I living a life that is attracting other people? Am I bringing other people in? Are you making disciples on your own? Are you bringing people into that, that, that salvation with Jesus Christ? It should just become a part of your lifestyle. Evangelism shouldn't have to be something we do on a particular night of the week. It should just be something we're doing in our everyday life as we care and love and help other people, pointing them to Jesus. It should just be who we are. Probably a lot of you know who Harry Styles is, the singer and actor. Harry Styles was uh, walking down the street in Hollywood the other day. I, I don't even believe he's a Christian or anything, but he's walking down the street. There was a guy that was trying to get a takeout order, but he had his dog with him, and they wouldn't let the dog into the restaurant to get the takeout order, and, uh, and they wouldn't bring it out to him. And so the guy didn't know what to do. Harry Styles saw the guy talking to the person inside, and he walked up and he said, hey, I'll watch your dog for you. Here's a picture of Harry Styles watching his dog as the guy went in to get his food. And when the guy came out, he said to him, wow, man, I really appreciate it. I can't believe a big celebrity like you would stop to hold my dog while I got my food. And Harry Styles said to him something really interesting. Eh, it's just what we're all supposed to be doing, isn't it? In other words, that's just, it's just a part of life. That's what you were supposed to be doing is caring and helping other people. What if just a part of our life became, I really am a disciple of Jesus. And the things I say and the way I live and the way I forgive and help and care, it's just a part of what I was supposed to be doing. It doesn't have to be something I plan. It doesn't have to be something that's on my calendar. Uh, it's not a training I went to. It's just who I am. Loving, caring, helping other people. A disciple who makes disciples who make disciples. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. I just pray that each of us now would look at our lives and see, have we really committed ourselves to that discipleship that you call us to? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. 
please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.